Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com You're very welcome to the Mickliffe Podcast with the Irish Examiner, where we bring you a different flavour of news and current affairs every week. Now, Eamon Dunphy is, I suppose, something of an institution at this stage, but not, I'm sure he would agree, that dreaded entity and national treasure. Uh, I caught up with him during the week after he had recorded an episode of his own very popular podcast, The Stand. As always with Eamon, he was very generous with his time and opinions, particularly delving into the current political impasse, how we got here and what that might mean for the future. First off, I asked him what he thought of the outcome of the election. Well, um, I think... It was another move towards the destruction of the two-and-a-half-party system, that's clear. Uh, 43% between the two um, civil war parties, Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, Labour Party down below 5%. So that's the end, I think, of an era. Uh, and it's an end of a system that's there, been there since the beginning of the state. Uh, and I must say, I think um, I welcome that. Um, I'd rather see um, what most other European countries have, which is left-right, centre-left, centre-right, that kind of alternative. Um, I'd like a radical alternative, probably more radical than the centre-left. So I was, like most people, surprised at Sinn Féin's vote because of their performance in the local elections last May. I think they lost 70 seats. Uh, and I couldn't see any obvious reason why there would be a surge. But the obvious reason, I think, is that there's an old saying, oppositions don't win elections, governments lose them. And the government that had been in for nine years uh, had not... Um, solved the major problems that affect people which are in housing, in health and also in infrastructure. The commutes people are doing, uh, what's being asked of people every day, uh, quality of people's lives. They haven't, they hadn't solved any of those problems and simultaneously, as they were in 2016 when the slogan for Fine Gael and Enda Kenny was keep the recovery going, This time they were telling us we had the strongest economy in Europe uh, and the fastest growing economy in Europe and we're beating all kinds of records. So people are asking, what's the point of having uh, this great economic success, quote unquote, when uh, we're living in effectively a dump? It's it's a strange one. I mean, I, I was reading recently. I mean, your your um, your memoir, uh, Rocky Road, yeah. and um, your early childhood, and yes. just your, your your own personal circumstances, but as well the description of the Ireland of the day. And I thought it was very evocative. But it, it was a poor country. Yes, and we we were effectively the poor man of Europe, the poor woman of Europe, whatever. And it has now evolved, as you said. We have one of the fastest growing economies in Europe. 
Yet there's quite obviously would seem from that election result something deeply, some deep malaise in the country at the moment. Yes, there is. And it's been there all the time, uh, really, Mick. I mean, my childhood was obviously very tough, um, but in in material terms. uh, And it's a failed state, Ireland. The state has utterly failed. I was on Late Late Show several years ago and Ryan Tuberty asked me about this. And I said, look, Ireland's a kip. And he was shocked. And he said, a kip? Uh, And I said, yeah, a kip. Nothing works. People can't get into hospitals. They can't get access to healthcare as they should be able to do. They have no access to education, really, uh, for a whole swathe of uh, people who are working class, people who are uh, marginalised, alienated, uh, and um, there's no chance at, at that stage the housing crisis hadn't surfaced to the degree it has now. But I said these are basic things that people should have uh, and they haven't got them and it's obscene and it is obscene it is when there are over a million people waiting to see a specialist and the people with the right kind of private health insurance can see a specialist anytime they want. We have a million people outside that. So that if you look at the health service, the way it's structured, nobody has attempted to reform the health service since Noel Brown and that was in 1940-something. So... This place has failed, and I lived through it and was fortunate enough to get out of this place through my ability to play football, get to England, um, and live in what was then a, a better and more civilised place where you could, the National Health Service, they had free education, uh, and people, they, you could um, um, move from poverty uh, or relative poverty, or working class existence, you could move on if you were prepared to work uh, and apply yourself. Ireland does not have that and has not got that. And you can see the consequences of that in terms of, uh, for example, uh, the hold the criminals have on working class communities, uh, the prevalence of use of drugs, uh, and in many other ways. And most importantly, um, you see a visible example of it in the trolley crisis, 760 people in December uh, on, in, in one day on hospital trolleys, some of them uh, very old, uh, elderly people. That doesn't square with the government's narrative. No. Uh, and it doesn't square with the media's narrative. The media is in it, the government is in it, uh, and all the professions are in it. And what they're in is a racket. I was going to come to that the media as well. But... No, and some people would put the contraview, Eamon. We have net immigration into this country. A lot of people would agree with you and suggest that it is a failed state, yet I've never heard of a failed state out of net immigration into it. Just there today, a report in terms of a child, a UN report, Ireland's the fifth best place for a child to grow up in, in, in the, anyone who took part in the survey, most of the developed countries. Now, Counterbalancing that, there's also a report out today that showed just under half of 26 to 29 year olds are living at home with their parents, which is a reflection of things too. But the point I'm making, the main point is there's a lot of evidence out there that in some ways the country is working. If people want to come here and work, there must be some attraction for them. Well, a lot of people are coming from places uh, that are uh, really uh, third world 
uh, in every respect, including democracy and human rights. Uh, so they're coming here, uh, and in relative terms, they're better off uh, straight away. Uh, the it depends on the metric used. There's always reports from the UN, uh, from the OECD, from our own ESRI that show certain or purport to show certain things, but they are actually just you know, statistics. There's lies, damn lies, and statistics. And statistics can be um, worked and warped and bent to show almost anything. Uh, but the, the, the reality on the ground here is that for um, most ordinary, decent people, uh, life is daunting now. And when they look at the prospects of their children getting an education, a job, Yes, but what kind of job? A house, no chance. Uh, access to health, uh, no chance. That's the reality for most people. And I, I have to say that the, despite the, the, the Sinn Féin surge, 76% of the people in Ireland did not vote for Sinn Féin. Point, yeah. And of those who did vote for Sinn Féin, only 1% of people want a united Ireland. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Because so there's a statistic to, to reflect yeah. on when you hear of what their priorities appear to be. One, a border poll. What, a very interesting point, particularly I've noticed that a number of their spokespeople since the election have included uh, the, the, uh, the, the pre preparation for unity, I think they call it, yes. in all references to health and housing, but that was not very much to the fore no. prior to... What, uh, Sinn Féin, their rise, in fairness, they have some very effective people. What do you no. think of them as the vehicle for change as it appears that maybe a quarter of the electorate sees them? Well, uh, I think the first thing to be said is that they have some e extremely able spokes people in the key areas. Louise O'Reilly in the health area, former uh, trade union operative in SIP2. Uh, she'd know what's going on in the health service uh, and she'd know some of the strokes uh, all kinds of people are pulling in the health service. Uh, Ono Brin in housing, he is, uh, first of all, he's diligent. He's done the homework. Written a book. He's written a book uh, and he has uh, a plan uh, which is probably well worked out uh, and in uh, the finance, economic area, the Pierce Doherty, you know, who's an outstanding public representative, uh, and he has a view, uh, and he is someone, uh, O'Brien, Louise O'Reilly, David Cullinan, who unfortunately, after the election, was caught on video saying up the uh, run. He's that. done very well in the parliament, definitely. Yeah, he's know. a good public representative. You know, it's two o'clock in the morning, he's had a few jars, just... Got 20,000 first preference votes. I'd forgive him for that. I, I, other people pounced on it and said, this shows... Yeah, this is, this is David Cullen showed, uh, he was recorded saying up the rat at the end of a speech, yes. a victory speech. And he, yeah. But he talked about Bobby Sands. He did. Who, and things like that. They are uh, evocative things for um, Republicans and emotional things. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't hold that against him. However, um, I um, think that one third of people in the exit poll said that they didn't um, care or weren't concerned, would be more fairly put, uh, weren't concerned at the Paul Quinn business, 
this the, is Paul Quinn, the man who, who was murdered in 2007. There's the, a suggestion. 21-year-old boy yeah. who was from South Armagh, but he was wor- murdered and taken to be murdered in Castleblaney in County Monaghan. In a brutal in, in a, in a In a savage, depraved way that was worse, actually, than the Cian Mulready Woods murder in Drogheda that's horrified the nation in recent weeks. What was done to Paul Quinn was actually worse, and it was done for a purpose. It was done because he had a row with an IRM man's son uh, in South Armagh, and they wanted to terrorise that community and say, this is what happens if you do, uh, if you do uh, cross us. Yeah, I think now, there's general consensus in that. Yeah, and Conor Murphy lied about it, uh, said he was a criminal, uh, Mary Lou didn't know how to respond to it. When Brian Dobson put it to her in a very rigorous interview, which he gave to all the candidates, he filleted her. He filleted Micheál Martin as well. Uh, and uh, he's a very good interviewer, and that was that was the highlight for the media, in my view, in the election. Uh, Dobson's um, well-researched uh, and rigorous interviewing. However, um, can we have a party that in government in the Ministry for Justice, in Cabinet, that was engaged in activity like that, or is well, his pa- acquiescing... An individual's party would have, would have been engaged. In, oh, sorry, you're talking about the actual, the the, actual murder? The murder or, 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 of Paul or the, Quinn the, was, the, was, was the, done. Talk around. Yeah. It, it was done by a group of Republicans from South Armagh. There were 10 or more of yeah. them. It was a brutal and depraved act. It was done in 2007, nine years after the Good Friday or Belfast Agreement. It was done at a time when uh, I was supportive of Sinn Féin uh, and many people welcomed them into um, democratic politics. uh, And that's, you know. Now, there are other instances, many other instances uh, of bullying. Um, Padre Tobin, for example, a very good TD. Former Sinn Féin TD, yeah, now Ian, who he, he, into, he left, left over the abortion issue. He, he left over, he had an issue uh, of conscience on the Eighth Amendment and he was effectively out, pushed out of the party. But he said in the two weeks leading up to the election, if you're a Sinn Féin uh, public representative, you have to be answerable to people who are not. And you're not your own person. You cannot... Uh, vote your conscience, and there have been a number of people who have left the party, uh, over 20 uh, public representatives who left the party because they didn't feel uh, free, they were being bullied, uh, and they resented that. And there's a very notable um, TD in Cork who actually stood down from politics about six weeks before the election and said he wasn't going to run. We don't know why. Yeah, no, there's no suggestion. I think it's bullying, but we don't know why there is. We some, don't know why. He, he, he said it. You're, you're talking about Jonathan O'Brien. He I'm said talking about Jonathan O'Brien. He just wanted yes. to step back after the length of time he was in politics, yes. but there, there was some talk and around it. Most compelling argument is if you look, there's a book called Burned. You interviewed Sam McBride, who wrote Sam an McBride excellent who wrote interview on, on your podcast. Now, I read the book, and in particular, the passages. Uh, concerning uh, the cash crash scandal and Martin O'Mailor, who was the Minister for Finance. Sinn Féin Minister for Finance, yeah. In the Assembly. Uh, and he had to, felt he had to, uh, and emails and texts, which uh, was, um, they were subpoenaed by 
the Commission of Inquiry that's going to report on the 13th of March, actually, uh, they found that he was referring to somebody uh, called Ted Howell, who's a senior Republican, a close aide to Gerry Adams. Had been involved in negotiating on behalf of the IRA back in the times, the, the yeah, initial the, stages of the peace process. Yes, had been sent to the United States to lobby the United States. Uh, and um, also... Um, Podrick Wilson. Podrick Wilson, who was an uh, officer commanding in the maze, former IRA prisoner, uh, and he had to talk to him and a man called Frank Lynch. Now, there's no reason at all why people who have been IRA members uh, and prisoners should not be involved in the political party. The question here, and what the case appeared to be, and is, I think, that Martino Mailer, who's a minister and therefore accountable to the people, was having to refer to those Upwards. And the tone of that email, I think, was deferential. It was deferential. Yeah. He said, would you be, quote, content? Unqu- no, you, uh, your average senior politician does not say that to an advisor. No, uh, uh, they, 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 they don't. They, no. And there, there is reason to believe that the Army Council still exists. Uh, in fact, good reason to believe that the, that, uh, the Army Council or something, uh, roughly its equivalent, still exists uh, in the north. Uh, and that they are the people who are driving uh, this show. Now, we have to be careful. We don't want to, a, a McCarthy type of witch hunt, and I don't want to be part of that. And I want the kind of change that Sinn Féin proposed. I want a more equal and just society. However, when Mary Lou stands up to speak after the election, the first thing she wants is a border poll. She wants this right bang on the agenda, right now. Which it wasn't during the election campaign. No. And again, 1% of people who voted for Sinn Féin want a united Ireland. And isn't that the key, Eamon? I I, I get the impression that there are effectively two strands within Sinn Féin today. One is a strand that you might say is very much involved in, well, I might call it populist in some way, but perhaps left-wing politics in terms of the bread and butter issues. The likes of Ono Brennan housing, somebody who quite obviously is very passionate about it. The likes of Pierce Doherty in relation to financial things, that kind of thing. You have that in there, and that's definitely a very strong strain. That's the strain, I think, that appealed hugely to the electorate as offering solutions different to what the same old, same old were offering. But that other strain, that strain that... Is it a question of that the main focus remains unity and that when you draw back all the covers, this is going to be the main focus irrespective of policies on anything else? And if yes. that's the case, then they're not being completely level with the, the electorate. No, they're not being level with the electorate. The number one priority is by 2021, uh, they want to be in government north and south. The biggest giveaway about Sinn Féin, there are two. One is this. They announced six or seven months ago that they were prepared to go into government with either Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil. Now, Labour Party has been doing that since the foundation of the state and not serving uh, the working people, which is why they're below 4%. Sinn Féin, these great left-wing radicals, want to win to power with two parties that caused the problem in the first place. If they do go into power with Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil, they won't be implementing any of Pierre Storch's policies or any of Owen O'Brien's policies or any of Louis O'Reilly's policies. You think they wouldn't be coming from a position of greater strength just in terms of the numbers they have? They won't be implementing those policies. Right. And what is really 
interesting and significant is they're, they're walking down the same path as the Labour Party has done for generations. And why are they doing it? They're doing it because they're not really radical. Really radical, if they're doing exactly what Dick Spring did in 1992 and what Eamon Gilmore did with the Gilmore Gale in 2011. Uh, they're going in to power. Uh, and they're, when you do that with one of those larger parties, you are effectively abandoning uh, your manifesto and its principles and values. Now, the, uh, their willingness to do this is, in my view, to, connected to the people who are in Belfast and other parts of the North calling the shots. They want them in government so they can say that the project has achieved government north and south and within government they can push the United Ireland border poll agenda. So this is really being dishonest, grossly dishonest yes, with the people who elected them. And I'll tell you something as well, how ruthless they were. As you may or may not know, I went out of my way to support Sinn Féin when Martin McGuinness was running for the presidency. 2011. I, yes. I went to their summer school. I spoke at their summer school. Uh, I was well disposed towards Sinn Féin when they stopped uh, the, uh, the war, as they called it, quote unquote. Now, I was very well disposed <laughs> towards them. Uh, and something happened that I'll tell you about. I was on RTE on a program, a Clareburn program, and it was shortly before the 2016 election. And uh, I'm in Dublin Bay South. And they had selected as their candidate for Dublin Bay South, Chris Andrews. Former Fianna Fáil TV. Yes. And I didn't think very highly of Mr. Andrews. And I thought he was an unlikely uh, revolutionary and an unlikely radical. But maybe he'd had a Pauline conversion. However, Ono Brin was on in this debate with me and when I said to him why am I as a Sinn Féin supporter willing to vote for you left with this old Fianna Fáil hack uh, what's he doing in your party a, a mask fell on Mr O'Brien's face and uh, he looked extremely uh, perturbed I was no longer a friend of Sinn Féin's we couldn't get a Sinn Féin representative for the Stand podcast, which I do. They blanked me. You didn't get any, and you, you, you did extensive coverage during the election. We tried and tried for Mr. O'Brien, my old friend, or anybody from Sinn Féin, and they wouldn't do the podcast. One thing just to say there, Chris Andrews, and I, I know him myself, to be fair to the man, and he got elected I'm with a huge he's vote. a really nice man. A, a very nice man, and as well, to be fair to him, uh, you know, we have seen it. We've seen plenty of individuals yes. who go between parties and they, they do come to a conclusion oh, at some stage that another party properly reflects their views. But I yes. take your point about the overall no, uh, scenario. I, I, I'm told he's a very nice man and he has been a very popular uh, and an act, an active public representative yeah. in this community. I made a, a comment. It was an opinion. But the point I'm making I about see, the yeah. difference between Sinn Féin, I think they're a cult. That's cultish. In a cult, if you don't buy into everything, you're gone. If you show the slightest sign of dissent, you're gone. Now, that's a problem. To use a phrase, Eamon, and I think a lot of people would agree with your view there, but to use a phrase, if they ended up in government, do you think to put manners on them with regard to 
adopting to a position whereby they're responsible for running a state as opposed to concentrating wholly on increasing support irrespective of, of, of other factors. Yes, I, I, I do think that, you know, they would become like every politician has. I mean, politics is the art of the possible. And you find out when you get into government that how do you do this housing thing? How do you do this health thing? It's not doable, you may find. So they, ha- they would compromise. But I do believe if they went into government, and let's talk practical politics, if they went in with, say, Fianna Fáil and the Greens, I think they'd pull the plug on Fianna Fáil after six months or a year. They'd go out and they'd get um, more seats, they think. I think that's a Fianna Fáil fear as well, I think. Yeah. yeah. Now, what they should do, if they really believe in what they're saying, is refuse to go into government with any of those, with either of those parties, in which case no, no government will be formed. They'll have to go back to the people or Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil and the Greens will have to f- form a government. So the really interesting question here is, if they have the discipline, and they do, to stay out of government now, unlike Dick Spring and Eamon Gilmore, and to let the country continue to um, disintegrate, as it is doing, then the next time they may get 50 or 60 seats. Yeah. And then they will be the government of Ireland and then... uh, And they would move towards a left-right divide as we have traditionally in other European countries. Yes. There is a problem. They might obliterate the Labour Party, which I'd welcome. Uh, But there are people like Richard Boyd Barrett, for example, and very many others, McBarry. um, They're really good people on the left. You know, they're independents now. They, they can't seem to get their act together to form a coherent group. But what's, you know, you asked me about the election. What's really exciting is the next five to ten years. How is this country? Hopefully we'll get a left-right uh, so people have a proper choice between Leo Varadkar, Simon Harris and Owen Murphy on the one hand and people like uh, Pierce Doherty, Owen O'Brien, Louise O'Reilly uh, on the other. Very much. Eamon, no. And Richard Boyd Barrett, who I think is an excellent public representative. I think a lot of people would agree with that. And while we're on Sinn Féin and the art story of the election as much as anything, there is definitely a feeling within the party, whether it's justified or not, out of my own opinion, but that there is an inherent, as, as they're called, the mainstream media, or the, that there's an inherent bias against them in the media. Now, this is, you and me are both in the media, even though we yeah. might have different views on what consists of the media and <laughs> even of, of ourselves and whether we're not. But... Is there something in that? Well, I think RTE made a very uh, interesting decision to include Mary Lou MacDonald in the leaders' debate. Um, the poll has vindicated RTE. I thought it was wrong. I thought uh, there were only two potential TC, uh, Bradker or Michal Martin. Um, but RTE have been vindicated by the election result. How much credibility uh, she gained from being one of the three leaders is, is an interesting question. You can't measure it. But um, I I think um, there are people, um, Owen Harris would be a good example of someone who has sort of uh, seems a long-term um, disagreement, should we put it, with, with Sinn Féin, and he's campaigning on that. I'm not like that. I campaigned against them when they were uh, involved in terrorism. But I saluted them when they put the guns down and I want to see uh, the people of um, 
what you might call the marginalised, the poor, the less well-off in Ireland, represented, or want to see the kind of social justice they speak out about. I was at the Stardust Memorial last week. Uh, it was the 39th anniversary of the Stardust fire, the biggest tragedy in the history of this country. 48 people died, over 241 injured, maimed. Uh, and it's been covered up. Those people have not had justice uh, for all of 39 years, despite inquiries uh, and gestures and all of that. It's a gross miscarriage of justice and denial of justice. The only party that was mentioned by those people was Sinn Féin. And the only, there was a, a, a one Labour politician there, but I saw Desi Ellis there and I saw a, a, a few other Sinn Féin representatives. That's the kind of country I want to live in, where that kind of massive, public, indecent denial of justice can't happen. And it has been allowed to happen by the ruling class in this country. And that includes our media. Although, again, it has to be said, Frank Conley wrote about it consistently. Other individual journalists have. Charlie Bird made a very good documentary uh, for RTE about it. Um, about and, Stardust, yeah. Yeah, and he unveiled the plaque last week. And I was there. Now, uh, I want that Ireland but I don't want to be messing around with shadowy figures, as they're called, uh, and I don't want a united Ireland right now. It's a tough dilemma. As you say, and I, I see exactly where you're coming from, that uh, certainly on the face of it, Sinn Féin, as they are, represent the only alternative to the old type of Ireland yeah. that you're referencing, yet at the same time, there is baggage there and it's difficult to yeah. negotiate that. I think it's very telling that they refuse to do the Stand podcast. It is, I'm surprised the, at that. On the basis, when you weigh up all the things I did, it was it's expensive, Mick, costly to your reputation to go anywhere near Sinn Féin if you want to work in mainstream journalism. Yeah. Uh, and I did it for them. Yeah. When they were asked to do something for our listeners, not for me, they refused point blank to do it. Good luck, lads. Yeah, and as well... What are you afraid of? Well, that's the point, to turn down an opportunity there to reach out to all your listeners. I I must say, some of the swagger now I've seen in the last few days since the election, I watched David Cullinan on Virgin Media's Tonight programme last night, sitting back there, you know, there is a bit of swagger. There is. You you could understand that? I can. Yeah. I remember getting promotion (laughs) (laughs) with Millwall. But the point... (laughs) I was swaggering around for all of six hours. But the point is, there is a bit of swagger there. Let's see now what they do. Because yeah. it's totally fascinating. They, if they win the government, they're goosed. On, on that note, fast forward three months. Well, three months, one night. Fast forward three months, say three months. Who's going to be governing the country, do you reckon? I really don't know, uh, Mick. I think the imperative for Fianna Fáil has to be to get into government. And for me, Hall Martin, there is an imperative to the only leader to uh, not uh, be Taoiseach after two elections. Uh, so I think Fianna Fáil will probably find a way to go into government. Um, but uh, the country's not going to change. Uh, I, it's totally fascinating if you're a political yeah. anarchist, and I am. It is. 
it looks like Eamon things ain't going to brighten up that much but will we get some relief in the summer with Ireland at the Euros? Well I hope I profoundly hope that we get there um, we have to go to Slovakia which is a tough match and um, I hope we get our best players there fit and Shane Long is back he scored a goal a good goal against Tottenham playing in the Southampton team which is they're doing okay um, so that's one hurdle to get over and then we have to play the winner of the Bosnia Northern Ireland game ah, memories of 94 93, 93, 93 yeah, horrible yeah, bad memories Park, yeah. it would be great to play the North in the final game to decide who qualifies for Euro 2020 I have huge respect for Michael O'Neill who's the coach of Northern Ireland he's done a magnificent job so I have my fingers crossed I think everybody does we hope uh, that we go. We have the Euros here. We have host a few games. It'd be great to be in it. You get a few bob for the FEI, which is still recovering <laughs> from John, the John Delaney era. Yeah. Um, so I'm hopeful. I, I would say slightly less than 50-50 chance. One other thing I wanted to ask you about. A kindred spirit of yours, Joe Brawley. Yes, I know Joe. Uh, yeah. Being a big Gaelic Games fan myself, and I think I would, I think it's fair to say an awful lot of people feel the same. Bit of a loss on RTE. Yes, he is. Yeah. Um, can you feel his pain in terms of the way he was uh, ejected? <laughs> ah, yes. Uh, I think it was done in a particularly savage way in between uh, the final and the replay. That's right. The All Ireland final replay last September. Yeah. Yeah. That, August. That's that's not the way to do business. Um, I don't. I I I have great respect for Joe. Um, as a man, because he did something, you know, he gave a kidney. Aye, and, and uh, the, the, the work he's done around that. Is and it? the work he's done around that. Uh, he's a highly intelligent man, good fun, great great character. and He's a great TV presence. I yeah, think. He, he was, yeah. Um, I don't feel his pain because, uh, to be honest, for the last three or four years I was going in there, I was enduring pain. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a big loss for me I'm I'm just happy enough to be here I miss my colleagues of course Liam Brady John Giles Bill O'Hurley, uh particularly but that's an era that's passed and uh, it passed and I'm fine Joe had a lot more to give a lot more to offer and uh, I think the way it was done was uh, shall we say uh, didn't reflect well uh, was, he too, was he too was he too out there for be a bit, a growing now, culture of people being... He'd be a bit out there now for my days. People used to say I was controversial. <laughs> but Joe said of Marty Morrissey, or of Cavan, one day, he said that football was uglier than Marty Morrissey. Yeah, and, I would never a, and he did apologise for he that. He did, yeah. I, but I would never have said that. Yeah, That was a sort of personal uh, thing that I wouldn't have said. Uh, and as you say, he did apologise for it. But um, he sometimes, perhaps, he was striving for effect, should we say. I just wake up in the morning making things happen. Slightly <laughs> different vibe. Things happen around you. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it, it, I think that, you know, uh, Joe's a very good man. Uh, and uh, I, he'll, he's going to work for Sky, I understand, or, or Virgin Media. 
So he'd be okay, and I believe he gets the odd gig as a barrister. So yeah, the odd there'll be bread on the table. There will. Eamon, thanks very much for talking to us today. It's my great pleasure, Mick, as always. You did a lot for me, and I'm very grateful to you. Thank you. That's it, folks, for this week. Uh, I'd like to thank producer Declan Conlon and our engineer, JJ Vernon. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify and the usual platforms. You can let me know what you think at mick.clifford.examiner.ie or on Twitter at at mickcliff. See you soon. On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.